Imputed Podcast starts right now. Welcome back to a very special edition of the Asman and Butik Show podcast. Breaking news surrounding the New York Jets. Today they announced they cut Mark Sanchez, and within seconds later it felt like they brought in quarterback Michael Vick to, of course, either be the backup or be the starter to Geno Smith. We'll find out over the summer in Cortland. Yeah, and it's uh, it's an ending to a Mark Sanchez era that started out with so much promise. Two AFC Championship games. They were both losses, but he played very well in the playoffs. Four road playoff wins. And just it fell apart from there for the for the New York Jets and Mark Sanchez. And it wasn't all his fault, Jake. We're going to talk about it. it was not all his fault. The Jets did not put him in a position to succeed the last few years. It's just a shame. But I wish him the best of luck. And I really hope he gets another job starting because he really deserves to. He, he absolutely deserves to. So I guess we'll find out in the next coming days. Absolutely. Mark Sanchez was in a situation from the beginning where he played very well his first year getting to the AFC Championship game. Yeah. Second year, he kind of took another step. They went back to the AFC Championship game. Four road playoff wins, an over 90 career quarterback rating in the playoffs. Mark Sanchez has talent, but the Jets failed him as much as Mark Sanchez regressed. He regressed, but the Jets took away his running game, took away his wide receivers, Jericho Kotri, Braylon Edwards, guys that he had really good you know, camaraderie with, guys that he really relied on, they stripped it of him. They put a lot of pressure on him in that third year, trying to be a more dynamic offense. And then, of course, after they fire Brian Schottenheimer, they bring in Tony Sperano and Tim Tebow to be a part of this team. And we all know how that was a disaster two years ago. It's sad to see what happened with Mark Sanchez because, of course, before Rex Ryan put him in over the summer against the Giants in that preseason game, Mark Sanchez was going to be the Jets' opening day starter, no questions asked. The Jets tried to do what the Baltimore Ravens did with Joe Flacco after the first year. Remember the first year, Rex Ryan was a defensive coordinator. He got to see that firsthand, running the football, the play off the play action, very similar, the throw off the play action, excuse me, very similar to what uh, the Jets ended up doing in 2009. And the difference was, as the offense evolved, Mark Sanchez didn't. And, and they didn't see that. They didn't notice it. They could have still uh, covered up Mark Sanchez's errors with a running game, the offensive line. The receivers he had early on. I mean, let's be honest here. That second year, Cotchery, Braylon, Holmes, Keller as a tight end, you're not getting a better core than that to throw the football to. And, of course, the second-ranked running game when you had LaDainian Tomlinson and Sean Green, who both played well that season, for that Jets team that did end up going to the AFC Championship game. And listen, Mark Sanchez, what did he have a great career with the Jets? Is he going to be? Is his number six going to be retired by them? Absolutely not. But he handled himself great every step of the way. He had many opportunities to trash this organization, many opportunities to you know, you know, really be upset and and be you know pouty about everything that how it unfolded. But he took the high road every opportunity he was given to do so. And you know what? You can't say enough about Mark Sanchez. He will have another opportunity to play somewhere. He's a talented quarterback that needs to be in the right system. I look at a team like the Cleveland Browns. He would be their starter there. Jacksonville Jaguars, he would be the starter there. And if he wants to go to a team like the Seahawks with his old coach, Pete Carroll, that's a team that could use an adequate backup like Mark Sanchez. But make no doubt about it. Make no mistake about it. Mark Sanchez is going to be in this league again, and he could be a very productive player going forward. He should he should get the opportunity to. And really, last year, uh, Jake, we've talked about it before, and a lot of people have talked about it before, whether it's been on ESPN Radio, anywhere you want, WFAN in New York. If Mark Sanchez didn't get hurt, he would have been the opening day quarterback for the New York Jets against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, against Darrell Rivas, their former uh, corner. Absolutely. Now we transition things into Geno Smith and the Michael Vick dynamic. Jets bringing in Vick says this to me. 
Geno Smith, we want you to be the starting quarterback, but we're not handing it to you. You need to earn it because the Jets aren't in another situation like they were last year where they're not giving a year away. They want to make the playoffs this year. They won eight games last year, and that was considered overachieving. Clearly, they still have a lot of holes, but they need to get this quarterback position fixed. Bringing in Vic is going to push quarterback Geno Smith. It's a move they needed to make. Whether or not you think Vic is the best guy out there when the free agency started, He's the only guy out there that could put up the type of numbers that can compete with Geno Smith in training camp and going forward. Vic's the guy that knows this offense. He can help Geno Smith if he is a backup. The bottom line is the Jets needed to make a move at this quarterback position, and then bringing in Geno Smith is a big step towards finding out if Geno Smith is going to be this guy's, this team's quarterback going forward. Yeah, and not only that, and it shows you that the Jets want to try to push for a playoff spot this year because not and the Jets have taken their criticism about the corner situation. We're going to get into it later on. We know all about that. But it shows you that if Geno Smith isn't playing well, they're not giving up on that game. They're not just going to do what they did with Mark Sanchez, where what was it in 2009 when Mark Sanchez was a starting quarterback for the Jets? Who could forget the Buffalo Bill game where he threw five interceptions? Rex Ryan was this. Well, why didn't you pill him? Well, I felt he gave us the best chance to win. Now if that happens and, and Geno Smith is throwing picks up the kazoo... He's not your best quarterback. Just look at what happened last year when the Jets lost that three-game losing streak after they were 5-4. and four. Absolutely. They lost to the Bills, they lost to the Ravens, and they lost um, to the Miami Dolphins back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. All three games, Geno Smith was awful. In all three of those games, if you had an adequate backup, may- maybe like a guy like Michael Vick, oh, they yep. have him now, and he would have came in and maybe could have saved their season. They won eight games last year. But let's be honest, there were a bunch of games last year that the Jets could have won and maybe squeaked in as a 9-7 and playoff team. And some people might say, well, what does a backup have to do with the way Geno Smith plays on the field? Some guys do better and perform better when they're pushed, when someone, when, is riding, the when someone is riding their tail for their job. I mean, let's be honest, in the real world, are you going to work harder, maybe not consciously, subconsciously work harder and do more if someone's riding your tail for your job? You are. It's the natural reaction. And some guys perform better under under with that with that fire under their tail, with a guy chasing their back. And who knows if Mark Sanchez could have been that guy. And we will never know. If Mark Sanchez had a guy, not Mark Brunel, but a serious backup. I'm not saying Michael Vick, but a serious backup to come in, whether it was a Sean Hill, to come in and just put fire under Mark Sanchez. Would Mark Sanchez would have played better? Absolutely. And the Jets offseason is just getting underway. Um, obviously, they let Antonio Cromartie go, and they haven't found a replacement for him yet. They signed Aaron Decker, which is a good step, but they need another you know, wide receiver. They need another tight end that can catch passes and be effective in a Marty Morningweg offense. The Jets are far from being done after signing Michael Vick. Where do they go from here? Well, I think what they need to do is address that cornerback position right now, soon. Uh, obviously, we know about Dominique Rogers cromartie He was in the Jets facility, left. Went to the went to the Giants facility, signed, and that was it. The Jets never heard from him again. Antonio Cromartie, uh, you cut him to save cap room. We both agree with it. They needed to cut him to save cap room. It's a good move. But they could bring back they, one year, three and a half million. No, I, I well, question what John Isaac is doing so far. They need to address this position. You don't want to pay Revis $12 million? Fine. I'm not happy about it. I thought it could have made sense, but that's fine. Don't bring Darrell Revis back. Don't bring in a guy like Werner. Don't bring in a guy like uh, Davis, who's re-signed with the Indianapolis Colts. The Jets needed to address the cornerback position. They still haven't. The clock is ticking. Whether or not they make a trade or sign someone, if they sign someone, there's not really that much out there. They need to maybe trade at for someone. Point, no. But right now, the Jets created a major hole at the cornerback position, and very quickly, we'll touch on this. Rex Ryan's defense is predicated on strong play from the QB, or sorry, the C position, if you will. Absolutely. They need a guy like Darrell Rivas, as you saw, Antonio Cromartie. They need players like that to come in corner. and shut down and, man-to-man and, wide receivers. And they have a guy that looks like he, at the end of last season, that he can evolve into that D. Milner, who they took with the number ninth overall pick last year out of the University of Alabama. But on the other side, 
Right now, you're stuck with Kyle Wilson. I don't. Kyle Wilson hasn't shown anything in four, five Kyle years. Kyle Wilson played poorly in 14 out of the 16 games. Yes, you give him credit. He played well in the final two against the Browns and the Miami Dolphins. But the bottom line is for this Jets team, D. Milner and Kyle Wilson can't be your top two cornerbacks. You John bring Isaac, someone else. you must address it. And I won't freak out now because it's only a week and a half into free agency. But when you see guys go off the market, and even a guy like Antonio Cromartie, who is a great Jet, made big-time plays, named to several Pro Bowls when he was with your organization, signed elsewhere for $3.5 million, you question what's going on in Florham Park I, right now. The Jets need to make a move, and they need to do it fast. But I know Jeff fans are concerned that the cornerback, that they're very slim at cornerback, but Jeff fans, a week and a half in, you got a wide receiver, a guy who was part of an AFC championship team and the great arguably the one of the best offensive NFL history under Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos and Eric Decker you address the offensive line and you address and uh and you address the offensive line and that's what you need that and you address oh and you pardon me and you address obviously today Michael Vick those are needs that the Jets needed they're not done they can't be done as far as cornerback goes are you going to draft a guy? You have 12 picks in the draft. Or are you going to use one of those draft picks, wager it, and make a trade, bring in a Joseph from te- from the Texans? I don't know. But as far as you're concerned for Jeff fans, take it easy, take a step back, and look at the situation. It could be much worse. Absolutely. So right now we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're actually going to have on WFAN's Jet Beat reporter, Chris Lepresti, to chime in on the whole Mark Sanchez being cut. And, of course, Michael Vick being brought in by the Jets. Back right after this. Joining us now on the line is WFAN's Chris Lepresti. Chris, thanks for coming on on such short notice. No problem. Anytime. Thanks so much, Chris. So let's get right to it, Chris. Are you surprised that the Jets cut Mark Sanchez? No, I'm not surprised about that at all. I I felt uh, that was pretty much inevitable. Uh, His roster bonus was due on the 25th. I think they had until Monday at 4 o'clock to make the release before that that money would have kicked in. It was a $2 million roster bonus. So, uh, really, ultimately, what it comes down to, I think he was kind of an insurance policy because the Jets didn't have his replacement, you know, signed on the dotted line just yet. Obviously, we know they played it pretty cautious at the start of free agency. We saw some of the quarterbacks come off the market, but the fact that they announced the Sanchez release just as the Vic signing tonight was coming out, I think tells you all you need to know about what their intentions were with Sanchez from the get-go. So, as far as you know, Chris, there was no intention to try to renegotiate Sanchez's contract and bring him bring him back at a lower at a lower rate. I don't think so. Uh, not as far as I can tell. Uh, I don't know if that's even something that was broached, if that subject was broached between the two sides. I mean, if I'm Mark Sanchez, and look, I know he made a lot of money off the Jets and the fan base had had enough. Um, he's been a good sh- a good soldier as far as I can tell from start to finish. He uh, was always a stand-up guy, said the right things, never went out of his way to trash the organization, even though he went through some tough times here. Some of it his fault and some of it, uh, I think, at fault with the management and the coaching staff. But um, you know, we saw how things played out last year. I think the writing was on the wall that it was time for a fresh start and that he was going to go his separate way and the Jets were going to go theirs. It was just a matter of who were they going to bring in to be the guy that was going to back up Geno Smith and push him along. I know some people have made the case that Sanchez might have been a good option for that when you just look at it from a football perspective. But if you take into account all the history, everything he's been through, some of the uh, you know the venom that's out there towards him with the fan base, uh, I think the Jets realized that uh, they were going to have to bring in bring in a new body and allow Sanchez to go off and get a fresh start somewhere else. Now, when you look at Mark Sanchez, obviously early on with his Jets career, had a ton of success. He's a guy that most people believe could still play in this league and be an effective player, whether he's a starter or a backup. You know, where do you think are some possible landing locations Sanchez could go? Yeah, you know, I I don't 
I, I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but you know, just from a, a human standpoint, I kind of feel bad for Sanchez a bit at the moment. I know he's made a ton of money, but because the Jets kind of held on to him as insurance, he's in a position now where the you know the starting quarterback market in free agency and the backup market has dried up some. A lot of teams have filled their holes. We saw the Raiders pull off the trade for Matt Schaub, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, Josh McCown. A lot of the names have come off the board. That's not to say someone won't be interested, but I don't think Sanchez is going to walk into really an ideal situation anywhere. Um, I know some, you know, just to throw out some names, I think the Cleveland Browns might be interested. Uh, he might end up maybe in Seattle with his former college coach, Pete Carroll, backing up Russell Wilson. That's a possibility. He's a West Coast guy. Are any of the California teams interested? Uh, I would think the Titans might be looking for some help with Fitzpatrick gone and Jake Locker having some uh, injury issues over the last season or two. So, there should be some teams that are interested, but I don't think he's going to walk into a situation where he's going to be, you know, stepping in as the starter or really given be, being given a chance to compete for the starting job. But certainly, I don't, I don't think his NFL career is over by any stretch of the imagination. Chris, as far as the guy the Jets did bring in today, seconds after uh, they announced the release of Mark Sanchez, Michael Vick, is the fact that Matt Schaub was dealt and the Oakland Raiders were no longer a landing spot? We heard that was the other team Vick was very interested in. Did that push this to get this done more quickly? I would think so. Uh, that sort of seems to be the writing on the wall. It was sort of a, a triangle and a bit of a musical chair situation where, you know, Vic had an interest in possibly landing there, and uh, the Raiders made the move to go for Schaub, and things happened quickly with the Jets after that. Um, but, you know, I think the Jets, from the start of free agency, we heard they had a legitimate interest in Vic. You know, from a personal standpoint, that wouldn't have been the way I went, but I don't get paid to make those decisions, obviously. So it seemed like, they, as John Idzik has done, have taken sort of a, a cautious, patient approach. They waited for the market to kind of, you know, set itself out. Michael Vick took his time, and he, as far as I can tell, arrived in New Jersey for his visit with the Jets today. And for them to kind of get things done quickly, I think, speaks to the fact that, yeah, Vick has had some options that dried up. He wanted to be uh, in New York now with the Jets, and the Jets had some interest, and they were able to knock that deal out. So uh, it, it seems like just a situation where the, both sides were taking a cautious, cautious approach to see where some of the other pieces would, pieces would land, and ultimately you're going to end up with this uh, Jets-Vic marriage, whether it's him as a starter or a backup remains to be seen. Now, Chris, what is your gut feeling how this ends up? Did the Jets bring in a guy like Michael Vick and to you know be their backup to push Geno, or do they look as Vick as a guy that you know he's going for Geno's job and there's a good chance if he outplays him in training camp, it's his it's his to lose? Well, I think they're kind of giving themselves both options. I mean, they certainly I think it was evident last year at times when Geno struggled and they were they were sort of hesitant to go to Matt Sims because I don't think they had a lot of faith in him as their backup. Uh, they wanted to upgrade that position. So that if Geno does win the job and he does have struggles in his second year, there's a veteran guy they can go to that can step in and try and win some games. And at the same time, you know, if Geno if Gino doesn't go out and perform well in training camp, if they can have a veteran who, again, has had some experience and won some games in this league, that maybe ultimately he's the guy that would, that would get the starting job from week one. Again, that's personally not how I would go, go about things specifically with Vic because you're looking at a guy that's going to be 34 years old. He's had injury problems. To me, statistically, he's been a very average quarterback for the better part of his career, especially since he left Atlanta. One good year with the Eagles. They went to the playoffs twice. They lost both games. So I'm not looking at a guy that's walking in with a lot of prime years of his career left where I think he could come in and really be a difference maker. But they had to sign somebody. He was the best option left out there, so I'm not surprised they got, they got the deal done. Uh, I just think it's putting themselves in an awkward position, especially when it goes towards looking at Geno Smith's development as an NFL quarterback in year two. What kind of message are they sending him? 
we'll have to see how he responds to the challenge when we get to, you know, OTAs, minicamp, and ultimately training camp in uh, late July. We've seen Rex Ryan and the experimental with quarterbacks, obviously Tim Tebow. How do you think Rex is going to do handling the situation between Geno and, and Michael Vick? Because it's been an issue before. Do you see it an issue again? It has been an issue, and I think I definitely think that's something to keep an eye on. I mean, if we go back to the last preseason when Mark Sanchez got himself hurt. I mean, that was an utter disaster at the time, the way things played out in that preseason game against the Giants. So, um, you know, if I'm Rex Ryan, uh, not that he needs to have his pride hurt or anything like that. He, we all know he's a defensive guy. The Jets have a, cap- a very capable offensive coordinator with a ton of experience in Marty Morningweg at their disposal now. I thought he did a really nice job in his first year with the organization. He has some experience with Geno now. We know he has experience with Vic from their years in Philadelphia together. So Rex is the, is the, is the big dog. He's the head coach. You know, Ultimately, he's going to sign off on decisions. But when it comes to letting that quarterback competition play out and some of the key decisions that are going to go into figuring out who's going to be the starter, if I were Rex, I'd be leaning on my offensive coordinator a lot more than maybe he did in the early stages of last now, Chris, what do you make of the Jets' overall offseason so far? Obviously, the big news today is, of course, with Vic, but a lot of the news has been with Decker and, of course, letting Antonio Cromartie go and not finding an adequate replacement for him at the cornerback position. Yeah, I mean, they've gotten the they've got the quarterback situation now figured out, at least on paper, in terms of, I think, what they're going to go forward with as we move towards uh, minicamp and training camp. So uh, now we're going to look towards the draft and the rest of free agency. And, yeah, they definitely have a need at corner with Cromartie gone and him signing in Arizona and some of the other big names coming off the market. Uh, they have a lot of resources still. They still have money to spend. They have a ton of draft picks coming up in the draft in May. So do they swing a trade? Do they you go the draft route again with a corner? Uh, the depth there is definitely a concern. I would expect D. Milner to take some, some positive steps forward and, and be a guy that they can rely on uh, in this coming season, but that still leaves you with a hole at the other starting spot. I think Kyle Wilson is much better served playing inside in a slot role. I think that's really what he excels at as an NFL player, and he's proven that. Uh, Darren Wall, I know some people are high on from last year. They want to see what he's got. Maybe he turns out to be a player, but I don't think you can go into the season relying on that. So I think that's a hole that still needs to be addressed. And and they added Decker, which is certainly a major upgrade to the receiving core, but I don't think they should stop there. It sounds like they're interested in uh, talking trade with the Eagles about Deshaun Jackson, but I'm sure a lot of other teams will be as well. Uh, a pass-catching tight end, another receiver to add to that, uh, that receiving core. There are still moves that need to be made to upgrade this offense and give the quarterback, whether it's Geno Smith or Michael Vick, a chance to make some plays and to see the offense execute at a higher level than it did in 2013. As far as the cornerback position goes, you just talked about Kyle Wilson maybe not being the, the ideal cover corner type player. Do you, th- you mentioned trade. Do you think trade's an option? Do you think maybe acquiring a Joseph from the Texans, is that an option for the Jets? I'm sure that they're going to look in all avenues. You know, we had John Idzik on the conference call. I'm losing track of days. I don't know if it was yesterday or two days ago now. My mind's kind of swirling at the moment. But uh, he said that a trade is certainly an avenue that they'll look into. I mean, I think we've seen from the Jets they'll consider all avenues. Um, they, You know, there have been a lot of transactions since Idzik's taken over. They've taken some flyers on some guys that maybe they've cut loose by some other teams, guys that they nabbed off of other teams' practice squads. So, I don't know that you're going to get that big, uh, you know, splash in the bucket, a big name coming in. You mentioned Joseph. Uh, that's a guy that's had some success in the past. But um, I, I don't know that it's going to be a move that really jumps off the page at us as, hey, here we go, we're bringing in this grade A, you know, number one lockdown corner, and we're going to line him up opposite D. Milner. 
it might be more of an under-the-radar move, and then you're going to let that guy come in and get exposed to Rex Ryan and let Rex work his magic and try and piece together a secondary. That seems to be more the approach the Jets are taking since Izzy took over as the GM. They're not looking for that you know, big headline-grabbing, uh, open-up-the-wallet, major-money contract. They're looking to make smart decisions so that they don't handicap themselves when it comes to the salary cap as you look ahead to uh, the coming years down the road. Chris, thank you so much for your time, and uh, we really do appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks, Chris. No, no problem, guys. Good to be with you. Have a good rest of the night. You thanks, too. Chris. So that was Chris Lepresti. He covers the Jets for WFN and WFN.com. And, you know, it's very interesting, as we were talking about at the beginning of the show and then after speaking with Chris, the Jets clearly have a lot of needs, but one thing's for sure, whether you like it or not, they addressed the quarterback position, and that's something they needed to do to take any steps going forward next well, year. I think it shows they're aggressive and that they, they're they not willing to give up this season. Like, a lot of people thought, listen— a lot of people are like, oh, you didn't go out and sign Dominic Rogers cromartie You're trying to look for the future. You're not trying to win now. Well, by signing Michael Vick to a one-year, $5 million contract, it shows you that you're not just going to keep uh, Geno Smith in there if he's not playing well. You are willing to have another quarterback in place where if Geno doesn't play well, you could put Michael Vick in. And for the first time in a long time, if you're a Jet fan, you can trust a backup quarterback to come in and make plays and win games. Final thought before we wrap this one up. Today marks the day, two years ago, that the Jets brought in Tim Tebow via the trade with the Broncos. Two years later, they cut Mark Sanchez, and they signed Michael Vick. It all comes full circle, as it appears. It absolutely all comes full circle. But, full circle, excuse me. But I just want to say, you know, Mark Sanchez did a lot for this organization, and I think... I'm, we're gonna miss him. I think a lot. He he never he didn't develop the way we thought he would. It looked like after the second year that this guy was gonna develop into a top ten, top fifteen, maybe even a top five quarterback in the league. And it was just downhill ever since. But it wasn't all his fault. Those Jeff fans listening, it wasn't all Mark's fault. They did not put around him the proper tools, the proper uh, work ethic around him to win. And that, that's what it came down to. And I know we spent a lot of time on Mark Sanchez at the beginning of the show talking about you know where his career went wrong with the Jets. But you can't say enough about Mark Sanchez as a person. Jet fans, you should miss this guy. He did everything the right way. And you know what? The bottom line is the Jets are taking that next step. We'll find out what they do going forward. We'll see. But that's going to do it for us. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Once again, thank you to our guest, Chris Lepressi of WFAN.com. And for Jake Asman, excuse us, for Jake Asman. For Dan Budick, I'm Jake Asman saying <laughs> so long, and we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Asman and Budick podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.